Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Bird 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good morning, Birds fans. We got a Wednesday, Birds 365 coming your way today. That would be with me, Jordan McDonald, and my partner, Johnny Mac, the Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. The final in-season Wednesday of the uh, season. Walkthrough Wednesday? Uh, yeah, walkthrough. Uh, walkthrough Wednesday today. So we'll get an estimated injury reports at at some point later this afternoon interesting for probably most notably Abonte Maddox um see what happened to him but uh with Devonte at least it looks a little bit uh, uh positive in the fact I don't expect to see him this this um weekend certainly so you're not counting them out of the giant game no yeah I am um, certainly at MetLife Stadium with that turf. And you could argue the Eagles should rest their players anyway um, because it's very unlikely that uh, that uh, the, the the Washington Commanders are going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, and that's what you need to, to shift out of that number five seed. So it's always possible. I mean, everybody – the Cowboys have had some bad games, so uh, certainly – especially on the road. So you never know, but I, I, I you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go balls to the walls and play injured players, hoping that's going to happen. Is how I would phrase it. Uh, that's understandable, but then again, the Eagles were a ten and a half point choice over the Arizona Cardinals this week. So, uh, weren't just, they just, more than that? Boy, I thought it was more. I don't know. I thought it was more, but it was. Yeah. It was almost two touchdowns against the Giants. Um, 
I have to go back and look it up. Um, but they're sure enough, they're favored against the Giants again this week. But we'll uh we'll save that for Friday when we're talking about making predictions on the game. All right, Johnny Mac SA was coordinator Tuesday. Uh, so you got to hear from Matt Patricia again. Um, and I think more importantly, even though the defense is the bigger problem and Matt Patricia is going to have to work harder to come up with answers, not to you guys, but for his actual players on Sunday, that would be nice if the Eagles had a representative defensive effort. Now I'm talking about Brian Johnson from the offensive side. And I, I harped on this last week when he said it and uh, your, your response was, yeah, that's what they do, and that's what Jalen should be able to do in his uh, level of play in the National Football League. Well, the coach did it again yesterday. When asked about the, the, the bubble screen play, he went down the road of, you know there are options on that play, right? That it wasn't just a definitive, no questions asked, bubble screen on third and 16 or whatever the hell the down was after uh, Jalen's aborted attempt at rush. He's putting it on the quarterback. When you're talking about there being options on a play, it's designed, you send it in, and then the quarterback decides if it's the best fit for that play against that defense. And we all know the bubble screen went absolutely nowhere. And, and Devontae was, got hurt. Oh, that's true. Yeah, add yeah. that to the mix. I yeah, I, I throw might, that in there. I might yeah. blame Jamin Jalen here, but I'm not going to blame him for Devontae getting hurt. That's that's he couldn't have possibly known that. But they're they're pointing to the quarterback here, Johnny Mac. But they're saying the offense yeah. is designed to give the quarterback choices, and when the quarterback makes choices. Don't look at us. It's uh, we we take him to one point and then he decides where to go from there. They're saying that this is as much on Jalen as it is. Nobody's calling for Jalen to be run out of town. Nobody's calling for the firing of Jalen Hurts. They're well, pointing to Jalen yeah. Hurts. That's why you, you know, typically, you know, it's funny with coaches. I I don't think Brian was trying to throw him under the bus. I think he was trying to explain the situation. He got asked specifically to go through the sequence of that drive and the, the final, you know, after the penalty specifically. Um, and he, and he went through it and he explained it. Um, but you know, I, I mean, at times I, I feel a little bit for these guys for this reason, Josie, Jody, um, People get pissed off when they say, I got to do a better job, and they jump on their shield for the players. And then when they explain something, they get pissed off because it, you know, to use the phrase you just used. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm It it points out that there's other options on a particular play. So if you're, you know, in that case, he explained that if you get a pressure look, that's what you go to, which by the way, I think is a problem because they need other uh, uh, blitz beaters than the stupid bubble screen. So I'll say that first off, but, and, and if they don't get a pressure look, it's got, it's, it, it defaults to something else. He wouldn't say what it would default to, but that's kind of what I've explained all week. You, you have an option depending. I always say, in the modern game, the modern offense, the modern college office, 
often they don't teach plays anymore they teach concepts they, right uh, if the tape is here you go here if the mic is here you go this you do this they teach concepts that's what he's trying to say and you know maybe he's trying maybe he's frustrated himself not going down the disciplined i got to do a better job like matt patricia who's got a lot more experience and basically put everything on his shoulders even though if you watch the film uh, that was a pathetic performance by a bunch of players but he went on the i got to do a better job route um so i guess it depends what you want well, yeah, I mean, the, the quarterback, is he is he making the right read? Did they get a pressure look? Well, they did get a pressure look, so he made it. He made the right read for this offense. So I don't know if he's throwing them under the bus, just explaining to the people that there are multiple options depending on what the look is. So you're not, in other words, and this is just my speculation, um, for all those people saying, how could you call a bubble screen? Well, that's just one of the concepts of the particular play, depending on the look you got. Unfortunately, they got the look. And then comes the execution. And Devontae got hurt on the play. And maybe you can argue, why is a 170-pound guy soaking wet, blocking on that type of instance? But bottom line is, and Eagles dodged a bullet because it doesn't look as serious as it potentially could have been. Bottom line is he missed the block. No, I, 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 it, it players in, and you point out all the time, and you're right. Bubble screens often work. I call them the ugliest play in football, and you say, "Well, it, they're only ugly when they don't work." And you're right. But the point is, when they work, the players execute and right. they block properly. So, you know, it's always column A and column B. And, and what you want to harp on, but I I'll, I'll, I always say in good times, it's players first and bad times, players first. And it's usually players first. And here's where I'll turn around and, and agree with you. A bubble screen for the Philadelphia Eagles on third and long, late in the football game, tied football game. It's a bad call. It, it, don't send that in. That's where I'll go back and put it on uh, the play caller. Don't give them that option because if they there's a chance that the Giants are going to blitz, who are they playing? The New York Giants? Uh, uh, the Arizona Cardinals? Who knows you? Probably inside and out on the offense, Jonathan Gannon. So if you're Jonathan Gannon, what are you going to do against Eagles there? Oh, I'm going to blitz. I'm going to try and bring somebody. So you have to project what you think defense. If you're going to allow the defense to dictate what you're going to do on as important a doubt as that, then I got to start with a play that number one option is not a bad play for the Philadelphia Eagles. Cause yeah, well, I would, bubble I would screen, say bad for the Eagles. Bubble screens aren't bad in general. They can be tremendously effective play. We've watched the Eagles run the bubble screen all year. It doesn't work for them. It hits at a very low percentage. So I don't want that as the lead play as a potential that the defense is going to dictate to me. Well, and that's what I, I, it's not the lead play. It's the play that, that they had off pressure, a pressure look and they got a pressure look and they, and they went to it. That, that to me is a larger issue, a larger, more encompassing issue that they don't have different looks or enough different looks 
when they do get pressure uh, and they, you know, the typical, the old school blitz beaters, the hot routes, things like that. They don't, they don't do that enough uh, as far as I'm concerned. Now, are you going to fix that in week 17 or week 18? Probably not. So it is what it is at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a larger issue, but I wouldn't call it the lead play on, on the concept of that particular situation. All right. So Um, hold on. I'll, I'll, I disagree. Um, just John McMullen's opinion, uh, prior to it, third and 12, 14, 16, whatever it was, I apologize for not knowing the exact distance. Third, 19 or third and 20. Okay. Yeah. Do, do you believe that it's likely, more likely or less likely, that the Arizona Cardinals are going to blitz on a play? Well, that's the thing. You you bring up the Giants. If, if it's the Giants, yeah, I think they're blitzing. If it's the Cardinals, you know, their blitz rate's twenty percent. Um, not necessarily. They might drop in. They might have a three man rush and drop into coverage. That's that's the whole point. Um. So I wouldn't say, but then you bring up, and it's funny, now Jonathan Gannon's Mince Lombardi um, after getting shat upon for so long. He knows the Eagles, he knows, and he does, and he did a phenomenal job. But, um, yeah, he's probably thinking, well, they think I'm dropping, so let's, you know, and, and, and he did a good job. Right. But if it's Wink Martindale, it's different. I mean, this is not a team. That blitz is a whole heck. In fact, they have a lower blitz percentage than the Eagles do. So I, I don't know if you go into, say, third and 20. There's a lot of people. Jim Schwartz sticks. Brian Flores. Nobody blitzes more than Brian Flores. Nobody also drops eight in coverage more than Brian Flores. So often when it's third and 20-ish, he drops eight in coverage. So it's not as simple. This week is simple. Wink's coming. You know, third and 20. That's just him. And, and if it were this week, I'd have an even bigger problem because you should know you're going to get that look. And then I would agree with you. But, yeah, I mean, Gannon did a great job. Gannon outcoached them. Gannon, this was probably a Super Bowl. You know, I talked to him after the game. Um, he, you know, he played it down just another game. But it wasn't just another game for him. He did a, a, a tremendous job. And he did a bunch of things to take advantage of what the Eagles typically do. And that's another example of forcing them into something they probably didn't want to do. All right. So here's a, a key question for me, because this is for me, second week in a row, that Brian Johnson chose not to go down the I need to do a better job route in explaining Eagles shortcomings. He instead pointed to the options that they had, which I believe is, yeah, him sharing the blame and going, don't look at just me. Look at the quarterback because he's making calls, making decisions on the fly at the line of scrimmage. You said yesterday, and I'll ask it maybe a different way. You said they're not asking Jalen to do too much. Is the system asking Jalen to do too much? And I know there's no chance that they're going to change this on the fly week. The RPO base system of the Eagles offense. Is there any reason to reevaluate whether Jalen Hurts should be a quarterback running the RPO based offense that has as many plays attached to it in which the quarterback is deciding 
what to do with the football at the line of scrimmage as often as it does in Eagle offense? I mean, this is as simple as it gets at this level. Uh, there's no, there's no simpler offense. Um, oh, there are so, a ton of simpler offenses, non RPO offenses, not giving the quarterback the chance. Not every team in the league runs RPOs. The but the offense as a whole, an RPO offense is as simple as it gets, as opposed to a more conventional NFL offense. Now, specific plays, if you're just going to turn around and hand off an eye formation, yeah, specific plays can be more simpler in a conventional offense. But once you get to the passing game, not even close. Then you start talking about you got progressions, you got all kinds of blitz beaters, you got to figure out who's coming from where, you got to figure out all the concepts, you got to figure out you're not splitting the field as much to have high low. Uh, you're you're going one two three four, way more complicated a traditional NFL offense. So, no, I mean the, the, the RPO itself, you're reading one player. I mean, that's that was the whole point when they started at a college. And you go all the way back to Appalachian State. The whole point was to put the one player in conflict and read him. You know, Nick Sirianni always says it with Micah Parsons uh, when you have a great player. If you can't block him, read him. Uh, and that means, and look, if he's crashing down, keep the football, pull it. Um, if, if he's not, give the football off and – you know, the Eagles have expanded it to have RP, what they call RPRs, run pass run, because Jalen's ability to extend plays adds that factor into it. I was hoping the offense would evolve past that, to be honest, this year. That's what I'm better. talking about. But that's more complicated. That's all I'm saying. That's more complicated, not less complicated. So Yeah, we, we, we have a different definition of the word complicated. I'm defining complicated by options. If you've got more options, that makes it more complicated. You're defining it differently. Um, Uh, That ain't, that ain't, yeah. I mean, there aren't a lot of options in this compared to what we were talking about yesterday with Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys. They got way more options, way more options. Um, and, and, And old school guys who would run the game from the line of scrimmage, I mean, just enormous more options. And sometimes it would become more simplified because the smart quarterbacks would say, Hey, you can't stop this. We're just going to keep running this and running this and running this and running this. And sometimes it's, it, it becomes simple because another team can't stop it. But yeah, I mean, at, I RPO offense is not complicated. I, people would get mad at me. I would say this is a really simple offense and they would get mad. And I said, so what? It doesn't matter because they they couldn't stop it. They couldn't stop it last year. Difference is execution. But I was hoping it would evolve a little bit further um, in the passing game. But it really hasn't. It really hasn't. And I I was talking to a personnel guy this week and said, what's the most disappointing part of this Eagles collapse or collapse to this point. And he was talking about techniques and fundamentals as they, I mean, for all the X's and O's stuff, they can, they couldn't do a simple run fit to save their lives. I mean, w- watching the film Avante Maddox. Now he had an, 
an excuse. He's been out for so long. It's terrible. Shaq Leonard, terrible. Ben Van Schumann, rookie player. Ringo and Rex are just lost in run support. Rex specifically, but Ringo's not great either. He's just a little bit more physical. Um, I mean, run fit isn't complicated either from a defensive standpoint. Um, yeah, so I I always go players first, always. Oh, and I'm kind of doing that by saying and suggesting that Jalen's getting a little bit of a free pass here, and I'm a fan. I uh, got no problems with the contract they gave him off the season that he had last year, but he's making a bunch of decisions. That's the way the offense is laid out for him to decide on the fly, and I think he's making a bunch of incorrect decisions and inter- incorrect reads, and I don't want to absolve uh, Brian Johnson and or Nick Sirianni of any questioning or blame, but I just don't hear any of it for the quarterback. And they're telling us that the quarterback is a big player in what plays are run by the Philadelphia Eagles as they're going along. And you're telling me you can't switch out of it at the week 16. You can't put in a whole new offense. Yeah, I get that. They can't do that. So you got to live with it the way that it is right now. But maybe it isn't the best kind of offense. And and, and by the way, and we got Marcus and I know we got to get the break. By the way, they're still top 10 in most (laughs) important categories. I mean, everything's context. They're, it's disappointing for them because of where they've been compared to the rest of the league. rest of the league has a bunch of problems too. So, I, you know, I think a lot of Philadelphia fans get too provincial, too focused on their particular team. Compared to everybody else, I think they're second and third downs, they're first and fourth downs, they're, they're eighth overall. Uh, they're seventh in points. I mean, it ain't terrible. And it wasn't terrible against Arizona. They didn't lose. It, w- it was a poor performance at the end. No question. Right. That, that's what everybody's focused in on. And you're right. You got to take a step back, look at the big picture. But if they can score a touchdown there rather than just settle for a field goal after getting an 18-yard pass to uh, Brown. No, my, my larger point there is that if the defense can stop Arizona once, once they win that stinking game, it was like an arena football game. You get one stop and you're going to win the game. And they couldn't do it. So they, I got I got to look at the defensive side before I can get to the offense. That is very fair. He's McMullen on McDonald's Mac and Mac Birds 365. We see in our waiting video that uh, our buddy Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. I came on after Marcus the other day. Set me up nice. Did a nice job on the air on WIP. Uh, kept a nice, solid audience ready for me when I jumped in. Hopefully, we've got a good, solid audience today to listen to Marcus Hayes join us here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, 
we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Maga Mac here on Birds 365. We got our guy, Marcus Hayes from the Philadelphia Inquirer and WIP. Good enough to jump in with us here early on a Wednesday. And yes, Marcus, I was listening to you plenty on WIP this week. Uh, fun fun listening to you as well. Uh, did, a, did a nice job. You were with some good guys. Um, one of the things that certainly got discussed, I know we're we're going backwards in time a little bit here, but was... Eagles tell the fans to blank the <laughs> fuck up. Um, it, it, up. There's so many different angles to look at this, whatever. Here's the first one I want to ask you about. Should the Eagles have even gone there? Even if it was wrong and the fans should know better and it, it does make it whatever percentage it is more difficult. Don't they have like bigger fish to fry? Don't they have more important things that they need to figure out? As to whether or not the fan should or shouldn't be chanting on thir- on a, a down at home and make it a little bit more difficult for the Eagles to make their calls, it w- was it became a pretty damn big story and a cause celeb. Should it have? Well, I'll, I'll answer your question and then I'll uh, disagree with your premise. Okay. Um, your your uh, your question is 
should it be a big deal? And I, my answer, I guess, is no, because it's it's a very and this is the, the disagreement with your uh, your uh, premise. Right. There is no argument. I mean, there is no like, OK, there's there's an argument for them to be loud. I mean, this should be just like a statement and every single fan to say, hey, you know what? You're right. Number one. Number two. The other part about your premise is, okay, they're they're fixated on this and not taking care of the other stuff. That you could do both. You know, yeah. I mean, it's the, to 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 presume that they can't do both is kind of ridiculous. So it didn't distract them from like figuring out a game plan, but it is distracting. I mean, think about it. Jason Kelsey has uh, six false starts. Five of them are at home, and he was the guy who said it first. And he's the guy who's got to hear the quarterback. I mean, this is not a debate. This is not a, this is not a, oh my gosh, we should be able to do this. It's dumb. It's uh, indulgent. And it shouldn't happen. It's the opposite of home field advantage. And I can't imagine another city where we'd be debating this except Philadelphia. Yeah. Here's how I described it, uh, Marcus. If you want to call yourself a smart fan base, you got to be a smart fan base. You got to, you got to understand that if, if not pay your money and do whatever you want, but don't call yourself a smart fan base. That's how I described it. I mean, it's not a debatable issue. Yeah. It's common sense. I mean, you're, you're, you're quiet when the offense has the ball. Then go nuts when the defense has the ball, but and not and the Eagles aren't the only fans who do this. No, they're the only fans who think they have the right to do this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we see quiet please signs in other stadiums, and then they get quiet. You know, the the biggest, I the most repeated move in uh, I think it was Brett Favre's career was the bird, where he'd always go like this: "Be quiet," you know, because yeah. you know the best fans in football are Packers fans. And you know, he guns they, happy. They they that. do stupid stuff too, but then they stop. You know, <laughs> yeah, everybody does. D D Gun uh, is happy. He called the Packers fans the smartest fan. <laughs> That's right. He's a <laughs> yeah. he's a Wisconsin guy. He's a cheesehead. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna set. I'm gonna take you down this road, Marcus. In the scale of zero to absolute, you know what show. Uh, where clown is show. this? I wrote that a couple weeks. All right, ago. Clown, show, clown show. That works. But we can curse, so I can say shit show too. So Dopey. clown show, shit show, zero to that. Where's this Eagles current collapse? I'd say it's about a seven. Yeah, I've been in I've been in locker rooms for thirty three years. I've never been in one that's exactly like this. I mean, I've been in worse locker rooms, but. This locker room is less, uh, I guess, fractured than uh, shell-shocked. I, I don't think they can believe what's happened and what continues to happen. So what's the root cause? If you need to get to the bottom of it, and Nick Sirianni's trying, Mac and Mac are trying, Jeff Lloyd's trying, Howie Rowe. So everybody's trying to come up with the root cause that your description, if it's accurate, which I think it is, uh, is what it is. What caused it? Well, I think there are three issues. And, you know, they're the three issues everybody's sort of talking about. Number one, you've had a, a coaching staff with significant turnover and 
uh, chronic predictability. Okay, so the the two most the two most common plays that fail by the Eagles are. I'm sorry, the most common play that fails from the Eagles is Jalen Hurts keeping the ball. They they fail about they don't get their expected outcome about 50 or 60 percent. And it's not hard to figure out when he's going to keep the ball. And nobody cares if he keeps the ball much anymore because he can't really break it. He's not as fast as he used to be. But they run that play two or three times a game and it works maybe once. I'm not talking about him breaking the pocket, I'm talking about him being having a design problem. Right. So to me, that's a coaching failure. Okay. Uh, number two, Jalen Hurts isn't. Uh, I think you were uh, you were discussing this before I came on. Jalen Hurts is making less. The, the the he's not making the best decision every time, and he's not making the second best decision a lot of times, or hasn't. Um, and third, you've got a lot of players in that locker room who aren't dealing with it well. It's not just AJ Brown. You know, it's Hassan Reddick. It's um, Devontae Smith. You know, people were like, oh, it's great Devontae after a win said they got to do this. They're not that good. You are what you are, you know. So when you get a win, being disgusted with it sends a bad message, I think. Number one. Number two, correct me if I'm wrong, that's the game in which he got yelled at by his coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, God bless him. All of them. They're young men. Most of them haven't dealt with much adversity. And they're old men. A lot of them are, this is going to be their last best chance. So those are the three facets for this collapse. Going, you know, four and one and four in the last five games. And really kind of underperforming all year except for the Dolphins game. Yeah, Tampa Bay maybe. They were very good in Tampa Bay. But, but you know, was Tampa Bay yeah, any good Tampa, when they no. were there? Exactly. Exactly. So, exactly. I mean, that's a really good win. The Dolphins win is a really good win. I would argue that the Chiefs is a really good win too, but you probably don't win that game if the Chiefs catch a pass and if, you know, Travis Kelsey doesn't fumble because he misses his girlfriend. Boom. <laughs> don't know if that was the case. All right, let me let me follow up with something you just said because I had a, a call last night, late in the night, uh, about Jalen Hurts. The head coach is, if he's told us once, he's told us 50 times. Jalen loves to be coached and you can coach Jalen hard that he's a coach's son and he gets it. We can coach him any way we want. And then when things don't go well on offense, Jalen walks quickly by the coach and goes and sits down and takes a quick look at the, uh, the computer and he puts it down and he stares out into space. Is that accurate? That Jalen doesn't mind being coached and coached hard or is he a guy that is difficult to coach and maybe the coaches are just covering for him? Uh, I have no uh, evidence that he doesn't like to be coached hard. I don't know that that example indicates that he doesn't like to be coached hard. Um, my impression is that when Jalen makes a mistake or things don't go right and he comes to the sideline and he goes and sits down after looking at the th- he understands what he did wrong. You know, he's a really smart quarterback. He understands what he did wrong or, or what what not even what he did wrong sometimes, but what could have been done better. 
So I don't know that you need to go. I, I don't know what the expectation is there. Do you want the coach to go yell at him? Do you want the coach to yell at him when he's coming off the field? Because that really doesn't happen. I mean, most most players, the, the Jalen's behavior on the sideline is unique only in that he doesn't engage with his teammates or coaches proactively much. Right. So I don't know that that has anything to do with the coaching. Well, let's talk about the coaching, uh, Marcus. Um, you know, go back to 2021, the top start of the Nick Sirianni era, took the step back, gave the play calling over to Shane Steichen. His explanation, he wants to be a better game manager. And I think he, he I love that. I tell Jody all the time, I like the CEO coaches more than hiring the scheme guy. Yeah, However, I, I, I'll say this, the game management hasn't been great over this stretch. <laughs> um, you know, after the onside kick, everybody's focused on that. That wasn't good. Go back to halftime with Jalen Hurts uh, uh, not getting out of bounds. They got bailed out by a penalty. Um, a bunch of examples of the game management sort of going askew. He had no timeouts at the end of that game. Um, what, what, what do you think of Nick Sirianni during this stretch? Well, I, I'm very reluctant to blame Nick Sirianni for Jalen Hurts not going out of bounds. Yeah, um, I think Jalen Hurts and everybody else realized that was. And again, you know, Jaylen, this is Jalen Hurts' fourth year. If you believe Jeffrey Lurie, <clears throat> quarterbacks don't develop into what they're going to be until after four seasons of starting. So this is really his third season of starting. He made a mistake. Nick Sirianni did not want him to slide there. Um, the mistake Nick Sirianni made was not calling a timeout you know, 30 seconds earlier than that play. And he admitted that he's going to call the timeout. He didn't want to leave too much time on the clock. Um, you know, these are very young people in their jobs. Okay. And you don't get a, a, a huge honeymoon period or learning curve as a head coach anymore. But these are situations in which Nick Sirianni has never found himself before at any level. And that's one of the arguments against hiring someone who's never been a head coach at any level. So dealing with people, managing people, managing egos, understanding when to talk, when to, when not, when to step in, when not to step in, how to handle crises, that's something you kind of have to live through. And I'm not sure that Nick's personality is such that he's asking a lot of – he talks about asking for counsel all the time. <clears throat> I'm not sure he asks for counsel – as much as we think he does, because I think he's a proud guy. So I think he's learning. I think one of the things he's learned over the last four or five weeks is that pride goeth before the fall. The most outrageous thing any Eagles coach has ever done is taught the opposing fans in the opposition's stadium, in the tunnel, yeah. for the cameras. Yeah. Okay? That's just not... That, that's the opposite of professionalism and the opposite of maturity. And if you're a player and you see your coach do that, and this is not the first time he's acted unprofessionally vis-a-vis -vis the fans or on the sidelines or in press conferences wearing T-shirts with messages on them. If you're a player and your coach is doing that, it becomes very difficult for your coach to tell you how to act when he's acting like that. That's a very fair point. Um, but did not Sirianni deal with adversity when they were two and five in his first year and there was a Ewan cry? And I do mean Ewan. 
um, for him to be one and done with the Philadelphia fan base here in town. It was what the hell was Jeffrey Laurie and Harry Roseman thinking? Who the hell is this guy? He couldn't even handle his first press conference. There too far. Yeah, people are going. He's never going to be back for a second year. They'll pull the plug on him right away. And they did. They they calmed the waters and they made the playoffs. All right. They got their tail kicked by Tom Brady in Tampa, but uh, got to the playoffs after it looked like the season was a stone cold bust. Can we still just give him a pass on? He's not handled adversity so far. So we're, we won't come down harshly on him here. I, I'm not sure that I agree with you on that. Well, there's a difference between handling adversity for a team that's supposed to be bad and a, a team that's supposed to be good. It's not adversity when two and five is the expected outcome. It's adversity when 11 and five is not the expected outcome. Two and five when a fan base calling for your scalp. Well, again, if he hadn't been such a goofball in his first press conference, <laughs> and if he hadn't, had, this was, if you remember that, that By the was way, the week. You blame Jeffrey a little bit too, because he gave like a forty-five minute introduction, yeah, and, and Nick that. got all nervous. But uh, go ahead. Well, he's 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 messed up lots of press conferences since, so uh, that Jeffrey wasn't involved in. So, no, I mean that's not adversity. That's that's growing pains, and it's to be expected. Uh, one of the biggest, one of the hardest things to deal with, and you guys know this, is getting too good too fast. And I will say this, I was the vocal minority about how the team should perform when Nick got here. I thought it was a mistake to fire Doug Peterson. I thought Carson Wentz was the problem. I thought the team, I did, I picked that team to win 11 games. The one, the team that went nine and nine and seven or nine and eight and made the playoffs mm-hmm. Nick's first year. I thought they should have win, won two more games. I thought he, they underachieved. So that's how good a team he inherited. And we see last year with coordinators who had a year under their belt because there was just as big a hue and cry to fire Jonathan Gannon at the end of uh, uh, 2021 as there was to fire Nick Sirianni in the middle of it. But he had two coordinators who were better, a team that sort of understood itself. They added A.J. Brown, who might be the best player they've had since Reggie White. You know, he's he's just unbelievable. And they won a bunch of games last year which I thought they also underachieved. I picked them to go like 14 and three or something like that. And they almost did. And I picked this team to go 15 and two. <clears throat> so that said, you know, yeah, Jeff Lloyd wants you to report to his office. You're setting the bar too high, Marcus. Yeah. You keep putting out these numbers. By the way, they did go 14 and three. They should have won 16 and one if Gardner didn't have to play. Uh, so they probably would have been better. Marcus is right. Gardner. And then it, Gardner oh, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they lost the two games Gardner had to start. So, so they anyway, were fourteen um, and one with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't, I don't consider Nick having had to face adversity until now, and he's had to face adversity since they lost the Super Bowl because his offense went away in the second half of the Super Bowl, and then he fired Denard Wilson after he hired Sean Desai, and Boy, that ev- the man. That, and that. everything has been crazy since then even the 10 and one start people weren't satisfied with so you can qualify that as adversity or you know missed expectations i've asked john about that a couple of times would wilson have come back if sirianni said yeah come on back or do you think that that was was fired he was on the staff yeah they 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 let him go 
Yeah, that uh, that's one that doesn't get. And they enough. let him go as a defensive backs coach. Yeah. So he had already failed to get the defensive coordinator job. Right. They hired Desai, then they fired Wilson. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think they paid a price. Yeah. Well, clearly it didn't work out. I mean, I mean we don't that, know how that, good that, or bad. We don't know how good or bad Denard Wilson would have been as a defensive coordinator, but you know he's the guy that created Reed Blankenship. Yeah. You know, Reed Blankenship was playing great last year. He's had he's had a terrible season this year. He's the guy that deployed and prepared James Bradbury to be the best James Bradbury James Bradbury had been. Good point. So, yeah. you know. So many career years last year. James yeah, even if he, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He's the guy that kept C.J. Gardner-Johnson sort of under control and used him optimally. C.J. Gardner-Johnson loved Denard Wilson. He did not like Jonathan Gannon. Um, CJ, well, yeah, CJ was an interesting character, but he was a playmaker, man. He was, yeah. and and certainly, uh, Denard was a big uh, part of uh, keeping him somewhat under control. I would agree with that. Um, I got to get to number eleven with you. You just mentioned him. I'm with you. This is the best pure football player on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Clearly, he's frustrated. You wrote about it at Inquirer.com. What is going on with A.J. Brown? And why do people have so much of a problem with A.J. Brown? Because he is the best player that this organization has had in a very, very long time. You went back to Reggie White. I'm trying to think. I mean, you might Brian be right. Maybe Brian, maybe B-Dog, yeah. I mean, this type of player doesn't come around very often. Yeah, he gets frustrated, but you know how accommodating he typically is. Uh, very well, open. But that's um, the thing. I don't think people have a problem with A.J. Brown as much as A.J. Brown has a problem with people. I mean, A.J. Brown was the one who said, I, you know, my mama told me or grandma told me not to say anything if I don't have anything good yeah. to say. That yeah. means he has bad things to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and he won't say them. And then he didn't say them. For like you said, he's usually very accommodating during the week. He blew us off during the week, and he blew us off on Sunday. And then Nick Sirianni talked to him within the last forty-eight hours, or I guess seventy-two hours now, according to Nick's radio show yesterday. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. It's uh, the world like a White House press presser. They announced it. AJ announced he's going to talk today. Oh, is that right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, great. On social media. Now you got to get down there. Well, so I, 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 I don't think I can make it down there today. Yeah. One of the reasons I can't make it down there today is because we asked AJ on Sunday, are you going to talk this week? And he made it clear that he had no plans to talk this week. Yeah, yeah. it changed. So I, I don't know if I can get down there. But um, again, AJ has issues with something. I was told by his teammates that it's with the coaching. I don't think that's a big stretch. I mean, we see him reacting to play calls on the field all the time. And um, I guess to his credit, he doesn't want to start more than what we're seeing. But um, there are a couple of players on the team I talked to, one of whom I quoted on background. When you're a captain and a leader and arguably the best player on the team, your body language matters. Oh, yeah. So, you know. AJ has been a great player and a great example on the field and a pretty good example off the field. But 
the the blow up on the sideline with Jalen re- resonates more now, and his distaste or disgust with what's going on on the field resonates more now. And it's only amplified when he refute not only refuses to talk about it, but says, "I'm not going to talk about it because I have bad things to say." Then says, "There's nothing really to talk about." Right. We can don't have to be all that in tune to read between those lines right there. Um, How much of that falls on the coach? They should have known when they were acquiring him, you're getting a diva. This guy's a diva. He's a talented player. Oh, my God, he's more talented than they even thought. But you do want to be able to manage him better than the Eagles have. And the fact that everyone like Marcus Hayden, Jordan McDonald, John McMullen go, he's not talking. That means something's really bad. Something's rotten in Denmark. How much of that falls on Sirianni, the wide receivers coach, the offense quarter, whoever you think needs to be included in the, you guys, and Jalen, who's supposed to be his best buddy on the planet, that these things have become as big an issue as they have. It, it, do you just throw it back on a player and go, you can't act like that? You, you know it's probably not going to do any good by telling him he can't, but how do you massage something like that and make this less of an issue with a volatile individual and a super talent like A.J. Brown? Well, the, the beginning of your, uh, the beginning of your uh, question, you say, you know, they knew he was a diva. I, I recall... Should have. I, I recall in January of last year, after A.J. seemed agitated on the sidelines after a big win over the Giants. People asking, why is he agitated after this big win over the Giants? And he said, pointedly, I'm no diva. So anyway, I just thought that that was a, an interesting way that you you, you put that. Um, Does Marcus Hayes consider him a diva? Oh, he's a wide receiver. He has, he has two signs on his locker that say open. Always open. Yeah. Right? Always All, open. He, Always they say open. Uh, Nobody else has those signs, That's which implies true. that it doesn't matter what these other guys are doing. Throw me the ball because I'm always open. By the way, he should have took that always open sign down when he stopped talking. Because if you're always right, open, closed, you got to be right. always, yeah. yeah. I mean, his Twitter and Instagram ha- handle has like one something always, always open. open yeah. So, I mean, not only is he a diva, he's a diva that ex- – and I enjoy divas. I don't care if you're a diva. You know who's a diva? Hugh Douglas was a diva. You know, he was great. But he was a diva, you know. He needed certain things, and uh, yeah, most quarterbacks are divas. So anyway, yeah. all that said, um, is it Nick Sirianni's responsibility to manage him better? Yes. It's also Jason Kelsey's responsibility, and it is uh, Jalen Hurts's responsibility. And I'll give you two examples of how that's worked well in the Eagles' locker room in the past few years. When they acquired Darius Slay, the defensive players went to Darius Slay, Brandon Graham, and um, Fletcher Cox, and I think maybe one of the offensive linemen and said, listen, this is your reputation. We don't, we're not going to judge you on your reputation, but this is how we do things here. We do things here this way. It's team first. We don't care about coaches. We don't care about uh, – Playing time. We don't care about anything except the team winning. That's been the existence for us since Doug Peterson threw Rodney McLeod and Zach Ertz under the bus after the loss in Cincinnati where Zach Ertz ran away from Vontae's perfect. We've we've owned this locker room as players. That's how it works, okay? C.J. Gardner-Johnson comes in, 
who's one of the guys that goes to C.J. Gardner-Johnson and says, listen, it's about the team first? Darius Slay. Okay? So this has been a locker room that has capably policed itself for about seven years now. And I don't know that it's doing that as well anymore. I don't know if A.J. Brown is policeable, you know, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Um, but And I don't know that he hasn't been policed. And honestly, like, A.J. Brown isn't, you know, burning down the house. You know, he's upset. My understanding is he's upset with the way the plays are being called and how he's being included. And he's declining to burn down the house. And he's implying that he wants to burn down the house. Yeah. So there, we've seen a lot worse. He's not doing sit-ups in the driveway. No. No. He's not that level of diva. I, I, will, I will say that. Uh, but you're right. You know, to me, with AJ, it's about – it's not about targets. It's about spots. He wants the ball in, in big spots. He wants to be the guy. Well, let's talk about that for a second, okay? Because yeah. I heard you guys talking about this before I came on. The two worst losses, I think – I mean, the just loss is bad. But the two worst losses, considering the situation and how they lost, were against the Seahawks and the Cardinals, right? So, against the Seahawks, new yeah. defensive coordinator Matt Patricia leaves James Bradbury on an island twice for the two big plays. Mm-hmm. Okay, the two big plays that cooked them. All right? That's a coaching loss. That, that decision lost that game. It might have been lost otherwise, but in we look back, that was the biggest mistake that was made. Okay? Against the Cardinals, we have two instances where the coaches lost the game. Number one... Uh, when it was first and 20, they started playing for a field goal, okay? Which implies we have a defense that can stop this other team with two, three minutes left. That's a coaching miscalculation. That was wrong. They should have tried to score a touchdown there. And, John, I agree with you. The defense isn't great, but the defense didn't become bad in the fourth quarter against Arizona. No. The defense was bad already. They couldn't stop anybody, so you have to coach what's in front of you. The 1999 Rams did not have a good defense, so they outscored everybody. Yep. You understand? They had lots of sacks, but that's because they were up, you know, 21 points at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Um, Then the other thing, before that final drive, the second-to-last Cardinals touchdown drive, Matt Patricia sent six on fourth and four from the five-yard line. And Michael Wilson – caught a touchdown pass in one-on-one coverage. He sent six on fourth and four from the five. A team that can't get to the quarterback, has no blitzers, and its defensive line isn't very good. That is a huge coaching mistake. Gigantic. So if I'm A.J. Brown and I'm watching this, watching this from the sideline, I'm like, what is this guy doing? If I'm A.J. Brown and I'm watching it from the field and I'm not involved on first and 20 after I converted third and 20 last week. A week before, yeah. Yeah. I'm saying, what the heck is going on here? If I'm A.J. Brown, maybe I don't react the same way, but he has every reason to be upset with his coaches if, in fact, he will allow today that he's upset with his coaches. At Ink Stained Wretch, one of the great uh, Twitter handles, in my opinion, X handles now, uh, Marcus Hayes. You can uh, listen to him on, on WIP, as Jody mentioned. Inquire.com does a tremendous job, tremendous columnist. Um, I'll leave it here. My last one with you, Marcus. Um, 
Matt Patricia. Um, I I think Matt's probably a better coach than Sean Desai. I mean, he's got three Super Bowl rings. He's but you mentioned the experience. He's done it. Um, you mentioned some of the mistakes. But I look at that film, boy. I mean, I saw some ugly run fits that I, I to look at week seventeen. But think about the players that are out there: Shaq Leonard, Ben Van Sumeren, um, Eli Ricks, Kaylee Ringo. Either young players, inexperienced players, guys who just got here, nobody fitting the run. If I want to take a glasses half full approach. Darius Slay is going to be back for the playoffs. Ricks and Ringo aren't going to be on the field. Zach Cunningham's going to be back for the playoffs. Shaq Leonard's not going to be on the field. This defense is never going to be good. It's not a good defense. But can it get anywhere from one of the worst defenses we've ever seen to mediocre enough where the offense can go win some games in the playoffs? Buddy, you should ask. After game 11, when they gave up, what, 35 to the Bills? Yeah. Right. This defense was ranked, I want to say, 16th in the league, or 18th in the league, 14th worst, okay? After giving up, after playing good teams and giving up 35 to the Bills. In the five games since, they're the third worst defense in the league. So what happened? Five games ago, the two young defensive tackles played more than they ever have, and they clearly hit the rookie wall. Fletcher Cox got hurt. Darius Slay seemed to slow down quite a bit and was out with surgery, I think, two weeks after that. But the biggest thing that's happened in the last five games is Zach Cunningham hasn't played linebacker. He was probably your second best player through the 11 games on defense after Jalen Carter. They essentially lost their best linebacker. And they've lost four of five games, including the one he did play in, but he re-injured himself. He's got a knee injury now. He had a hamstring injury before. They've lost four of five games, and they're the third worst defense in the league in those five games. So that's if if you want to talk about is there, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. Assuming when Darius Slay returns, he's at 80-90%. Zach Cunningham returns, he's at 80-90%. Then yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel. But these guys, these veterans, who don't even have to make great plays, they just kind of have to make mistakes, these veterans need to be healthy. That's the only light at the end of the tunnel. If Zach Cunningham is as good and or as big a piece as you're suggesting he is, is that a good thing or a bad thing on Howie Roseman's record? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, TJ Edwards is playing for $8 million this year. He got a $19 million deal, but $8 million of it was guaranteed in the first year. He essentially signed a one-year $8 million deal, kind of a show-me deal. And I I don't doubt that Chicago, he's their leading tackler. He's their, probably their best defender, second-best defender. I don't doubt that Chicago's going to, you know, sort not not pick up the option, but allow his second year to vest for like five point sure. five. TJ Edwards led the Eagles in tackles last year. They went to the Super Bowl and they let him go for eight million dollars. 
Yeah, John and I have been beating up the Eagles for that. They won. I said, yeah. I didn't understand that. I, I thought they would take pride in finding TJ, developing TJ, undrafted guy. I thought Howie would take pride in that. Look at what we found. Look at You're what we did. Rotating running backs and rotating linebackers as long as Howie Roseman runs his team. Yeah. No. And the running backs, they've been okay. Yeah, certainly DeAndre Swift is the equivalent of uh, uh, Sanders, who's done nothing in Carolina. But I'm sorry, the drop-off at linebacker this year has been massive for the Philadelphia Eagles. Marcus, great stuff. We love having you on your show. Whenever you jump in, we thank you for it. Uh, the first time in 2024. Oh, we're going to be having you on again. Thank you very much for doing it with us today. Yeah, forgot. Oh. Last day, according to Larry David. So, Happy New Year. Can't get it in. Okay, uh, Happy New Year, boys. <laughs> that's Marcus Hayes, Philadelphia Inquirer, and does some hosting on WIP as well. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. Um, last night I took some more calls on WIP about Nick Sirianni's got to go. And it just, I, while I'm not dismissive of it and say it has no chance, no shot whatsoever, the, 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 the diligence that people are putting into this continues to surprise me. I know the Eagles stink right now. I know they're in a spiral that they can't seem to get out of, but we got to step back again and take a little bit of a bigger view a picture of this um the 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 i i don't even know how you can go down that route i i you you and i've talked about this save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I mean, yeah, I'm I'm no longer at 0%, but the only reason I'm not at 0% is because I think some of the other stuff could fuel Nick Sirianni to say, and and essentially do what Doug Peterson did. Right. Said, you, you know what? Good um, and Doug's yeah. Footsteps. Yeah. So not that the Eagles would fire Nixon. That's absurd. I mean, it really is absurd. It's, it, there's pretty large sample size from 1933 to right now. It, 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 yes, they've lost four or five games. There's been a lot of stretches in Eagles history where they've lost four or five games. There's only one stretch where they want uh, 25 and two with the starting quarterback. Right. Only one. I'm going to give you a stat when we come back uh, to en enunciate the point that both you and I are making on, we need to judge Nick Sirianni on everything he's done since he got here. Since he was named head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's take a look at the big picture. I uh, just, because of a suggestion as to who should come in and take over the Philadelphia Eagles, I felt the need to look something up. I'll share it with you when we come back here on Birds 365.
Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamite & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Johnny McMullen, Jody McDonald, Mecca MacBirds 365. We got uh, Mart, uh, Martin Frank joining us coming up in a little over 15 minutes from now. We haven't talked to Martin in a good couple of weeks, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so I was taking calls last night about Nick Must Go on the WIP Airwaves, and I heard from my buddy uh, uh, again last night from Ben Salem, Gus, uh, who's a great sexer caller. But he's been eagle centric this week, and he went down the uh, better coach for the Eagles would be Bill Belichick. That they should make a trade. That Jeff Laurie would do that because he, he always wanted to be the Patriots owner. What's the next best thing? Have Bill Bill Belichick set the record for most ever wins by a coach and do so on the Eagle sideline? And he could not believe that I said. I think going forward for 2022, 23, 24, 25 that Nick Sirianni is a better choice to coach the Eagles than Bill Belichick. And he said, how can you say something like Belichick's the greatest coach of all time? I said, yeah, he is either he or Vince Lombardi. I said, but look at the last three years. So I compared Nick to what Belichick's done the last three years. And I realized that was a little selective. So I said, you know what? Don't even look at the last three years. Let's look at their entirety of their coaching records which includes all those Super Bowls, all those championships with Bill Belichick as compared to Nick Sirianni, who's only coached two-plus years in his NFL career. He's got one more game to go, then it'll be three years. Winning percentage, 
who's got the better winning percentage regular season record between Bill Belichick, who some people would say is the greatest coach of all time, or Nick Sirianni. I'm going to throw I, some. I'm going to throw some names at you, Johnny Mac. I would uh, think Nick. I mean, Nick. Nick is. But one of the things I'll say real quick, and Marcus is right, and and by the way, Nick acknowledges this. Um, he inherited a very good team that people don't realize was a very good team because they were coming off a very uh, bad season. They had a great offensive line, a great defensive line. Anytime you look at new coaches in this league, they don't have offensive lines. Or, and Nick has said this multiple times. He realizes how lucky he is that he came in this situation. Why, why I don't think that's valuable, Jody, is if you coach a long time, and Belichick's an example of this, and Andy Reid's an example of this. I always say it's a cyclical industry when it comes to personnel. You're good enough. You're good enough. You're good enough. You're dra- you're trapped in at the bottom all the time. All, all of a sudden, you know, the Detroit Lions are terrible, terrible, terrible. They're drafted in the top five, top ten every year. All of a sudden, you wake up one day and you go, wow, the Detroit Lions got some pretty good players. And you're not in a position to get those types of players. It's cyclical when it comes to personnel. If Nick Sirianni is lucky enough to lose uh, to uh, last as long as Bill Belichick, I'm going to bet the house that Bill Belichick is a better winning person. Right. Well, uh, we can have that conversation if we're doing Birds 365 15 years from now. But I'm I'm in the moment right here, right now. But you said something that I got to ask about. How'd the Eagles go 4-11-1 and in Doug Peterson's last oh, year? That, was that, that uh, good? Injuries. Um, and, and again, the team, uh, uh, specific structure of the team. Um, and that's why I always talk about Howie. People are down on Howie again. They were way up on Howie. Though That's how it goes. It, it goes in the moment. As you mentioned, people take snapshots. Oh, he did a terrible job. He did a great job. You cannot make any mistakes. Now, all of a sudden, he's an idiot again. That's how it works. Um, how he builds rosters is the proper way to build rosters. Doesn't mean you get it right all the time. You got to get, you know, you get you got to bet on certain guys. Like they bet on Nicobe Dean. Didn't work out. You got to get those things right to have sustained success. Um, and maybe they will get it right. I'm not ready to give up on Nicobe just yet. but. Um, it didn't work this year. Um, just one example. Uh, uh, it, it, but very rarely, and, and you'll see it now in this hiring cycle, when you see the guys who get hired, whether it's going to be Ben Johnson in Carolina. Ben Johnson's the flavor of the month. He's the guy. He's the guy everybody wants. Well, guess what? He ain't going to look as good next year. Now, maybe in a couple years, he, he, he'll 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 turn that around and he'll prove himself whether he's a good coach, bad coach. Most of them are in between, to be honest. Um, and and he'll get an opportunity to prove himself wherever he goes. It might not be Carolina, it might be somewhere else. Um, but um, he, he, very rarely do you get offensive defensive linemen when you're getting a new coaching job because you're generally coming into a bad organization, bad situation, and you got to build up that foundation. Zach Taylor's turned into a good coach. Look at the, look at that poor guy's record. His first two, three years at Cincinnati, it was a, an abomination. 
Uh, they couldn't win a damn, damn football game. And all of a sudden, hey, you get Joe Burrow at number one, you start getting players around him. You get Jamar Chase, I think, at number five. Um, you start getting defensive players. You make some smart decisions and free agency with uh, with Trey Hendrickson, Hendrickson and, yep. um, and all of a sudden you're you're off and running. But those man, a lot of a lot of owners would have fired Zach Taylor for that record over the first two three seasons. Um, so a lot of guys don't even get the opportunity to prove they can be a, a good coach. But Nick has been very cognizant. He's mentioned that. He's very lucky with the offensive and defensive linemen he inherited. And he's also very lucky, and this is literally nobody else has in the entire NFL, that core four, Jason Kelsey, from the leadership standpoint, Brandon Graham, um, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox, playing together for over a decade. That just doesn't happen. In the modern NFL, where is the core for today? Uh, wh- why aren't they stemming the tide of this eagle spiral? If they are, as a group, a better leadership group than anybody else in the National Football League, then how is what's happening to the Eagles happening? They should well, be good enough right, as so- leaders to be able to go. We need to stop this. Here's what we need to do. Here's what we we got to stop doing. If they're that good a leadership group, why aren't they helping Sirianni stop this? Well, I think they are. I mean, this in a lot of other situations, this might have uh, this kind of stuff might completely fracture. I I don't think all of a sudden that you you look at Brandon Graham after the game. You know, Brandon had a quote, and everybody chuckled at. Brandon is re- relentlessly optimistic. Relentlessly optimistic. Yeah, he was on WIP point, twice yesterday, and he was optimistic again. Yeah. That is BG. Yeah, to the point where saying we're we're just a a a. a step away on defense and i'm like what the hell are you talking about brandon yeah you know but he believes it and that that just you know emanates uh to the rest of the team it could be worse you know is is what i'm saying but the end of the day if the eagles win in new york on on sunday and it might be marcus mariota i don't know who they're going to play i don't know who they're not going to play i mean <laughs> they're still going to win 12 games in an nfl where how many teams have, have more than 12 wins? I, 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 I do think there is a, we've talked about the expectations basically from day one. Now, when they were 10 and one, did, did I expect them to lose four or five games? Of course not. It, it's been for a team that started like that. It's been a disaster. But I think if you do take that step back and get the 10,000 foot view instead of the emotional view 14 wins, 12 wins. That ain't bad. I, 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 you know, so, and, and it'll ultimately be judged by the playoffs. And I was just talking, if Slay was in there, just talking with Marcus, if Slay is back, if Maddox is getting healthier, if Cunningham's back, it's a completely different team out there. Now they're never going to be a top five defense, a top 10 defense, because they don't have the personnel. No but chance. they could be mediocre, and if they're mediocre, that's probably what they were when they were ten and one. Right. The def- Well, they had a couple injuries, but the defense is what the defense is. Uh, but that uh, ten thousand foot view, winning percentages of head coach in history in the National Football League. Now, this is you got to have minimum one full year under your belt 
interim coaches, Pat Shermer, one and oh, as the Eagles had. Yeah, coach. that's not like that record. That's not showing up, Betty. You got to have a minimum of one year of uh, being a head coach in the league. Guy Chamberlain is the all time winningest coach, percentage wise. You familiar with his work from 1922 to 1927? Yeah, it's Guy tremendous. Yeah, he should, never in the never in the category that he should be. I have I looked up Guy Chamberlain before though. Okay, um, uh, then you've done more work than I have. Yeah, uh, he's, a, two, he's a Canton Bulldogs guy, I believe. Really? Okay, that's why they got the Hall of Fame there. Maybe uh, John Madden number two, Vince Lombardi number three, uh, George Allen. You should recognize uh, we got. Some millennial streaming in will go, who's George Allen? Yeah, you and I know who George Allen is. Yes. Redskins coach. Um, number five, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, he's kind he of won a busy lot of these days. names, man. As an NFL head coach, he's got the fifth best record. Tommy Hewitt. I don't know if I'm even pronouncing Don't even know correctly. Tommy Hewitt. I know guy. H-U-G-H-T-T. That's a weird spelling of Hewitt, but that's how I pronounce it, Hewitt. He, again, 1920 to 1924. Wow, yeah. Uh, Ray Flaherty, 1936 to 1949 is eighth. George Hallis. Everybody better know who that George Bear. even though it was a long time ago. He was only the coach of the Bears for 40 years. 40 years as the coach of the Bears. Um, he's number nine, and number 10 is Nick Sirianni. He's got the 10th best winning percentage in the history of the National Football League. You might recognize a couple of guys' names underneath them. Number 11, Don Shula. Number 12, Paul Brown. Number 17, Bill Belichick. Number 21, Andy Reid. You recognize all those names, right? They don't have the winning percentage that Nick Sirianni does. So again, if you're looking to off his scalp here, you got to just take a deep breath and take a step back and say, let's look at everything that Nick Sirianni has done as a head coach, not just the fact that they blew a big enough lead to the uh, Arizona Cardinals this week to make it very painful for you. You got to look at a big picture. Our big picture will include one Martin Frank. I can see him in our video green room. He's ready to jump in with us. Martin Frank next here on Birds 365. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the stakes and the stakes, go to get your parlay on, go to get your party on, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean, visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life, 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday. Watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. You got Maga Mac here with you on Birds 365. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We got Martin Frank with us, which is always a good thing whenever Martin jumps in. All right, Martin, I'm going to make the streamers day today because they love when I ask hypothetical questions. <laughs> they, they love when I have fake takes. So put this into whichever category you think it should fit, uh, streamers. Um, let's say Jeff Laurie woke up last night and he was having a dream mm-hmm. and he said, you know, I listened to the fans when I brought back Kelly Green. And it was my idea to change Kelly Green, but I have to acknowledge, you know, we got a lot of buzz from that. We made money on that. It gave us a lift. Uh, oh, by the way, haven't necessarily played as well since they stopped wearing Kelly Green for this season. I'm just noting these things. Um, so maybe I need to listen to the fans again. Let me fire Nick Sirianni today. <laughs> now that that's a hypothetical question um who would he hire to replace him like right now yeah he's gonna who? fire the coach somebody's got to take over somebody's got to get the whistle somebody's got to make the decisions and stand on the sideline in jet life stadium who would it be uh well i mean you know, there's a certain coach in Michigan who's kind of like got his team in the national championship. Yeah, Michigan be... man, Martin Frank flexing right there. <laughs> it's going to be a is. hot commodity. Um, oh, he wasn't listening when we ran down. He's got the fifth best winning percentage in the history of the National Football League for coaches. Number five all time. It's hard, boy. I never knew that was the case. Yeah, he won a yeah, lot of games. He took the 49ers. Yeah. He took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, he turned yeah, them around really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It turned turned them around really quickly too. Yeah, won a lot of games with Alex Smith and made that. Uh, I killed him at that time, Martin. I was like, he remember Alex Smith got a concussion, 
And that's right. And he benched he, him for he uh, benched Kaepernick. Him for Colin Kaepernick. And I go, what are you doing? And turns yeah. out he knew what he was doing. Got him all the way to the Super Bowl. Almost came back after the uh, the electrical failure. I think there was conspiracy <laughs> theory right. in the Super that's Bowl. That's right. That's right. And he might answer my question. Who's he turning the team over to? If for some reason he lost his mind and fired Nick Sirianni with one game to go in the regular season. Howie Roseman. I'm answered for, for Martin. What Howie <laughs> Go ahead, Martin. Uh, yeah, sure. Howie, um, let's see. You can't really have Brian Johnson. You can't really have Matt Patricia coach a team. Um, so somebody on staff. I don't know. Maybe Kevin Petulo. Should, Petulo, should, Alex Tanney, something like that. I mean, should he, should if he you're call, firing him. Should he call Goodell and ask for a special dispensation for Dom? Maybe make Dom the coach. Sure. Yeah. Dom. Bring, why not bring back the Colangelos or something, you know? Yeah. <laughs> hey, laugh all you want. Since Dom has left the sidelines, they can't stink and win a game. Uh, yeah. You know, well, they won one, but I digress. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's an interesting uh, point from this. They don't really have anybody else. Does no. that tell us that no, uh, no, 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 maybe no, the coaching no. staff isn't as good as uh, maybe we thought it was? Maybe the staff is an issue. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the results are obviously uh, what we're seeing on the field. I mean, defense is a mess. Um, you know, Brian Johnson seems to be. You know, he has these moments, whether it's him or it's Nick, something's like there's some kind of disconnect there. Um, yeah, I don't know who, who you would turn the team over to. Maybe like Alex Tanney, the QB coach, um, possibly in waiting or something like that. I mean, I don't know. Um, Stoutland? Oh, there you go. That's exactly what he would do. He'd yeah. make Stoutland a coach. But does Stoutland want to be the coach? Uh, no, probably not. I think he wants to, yeah. I don't yeah. think he wants to be a, a head coach any longer. Um but, you know, what's interesting, you bring up Brian Johnson, Martin, because uh, Jody talked about him explaining the the ill-fated drive uh, after the onside kick. And, he, and right. he kind of, you know, again, didn't go the Matt Patricia route. Matt Patricia's, I got to do a better job, the old school, and I got to do a better job, I got to do a better job, which is not certainly exciting or all that um, fruitful for a fan who wants some answers. Um, Brian went a different route and keeps explaining, yeah, you know, there are multiple options to these plays, which he's right. Some took that as throwing Jalen Hurts under the bus. Hey, did you take it that way? And the second part is Olivia's question, friend of the show, Olivia Minor of the Inquirer. When she asked about the defense affecting him, and Brian just kind of shut down. I joke <laughs> the the Eagles defense couldn't make Blake Gilligan punt, but they made Brian Johnson punt. Uh, <laughs> she was like, "I don't want any part of that. I don't know if yeah. I can that answer." Both those questions. How do you think he had? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, I'm going to take the uh, second part, the Olivia question uh, first. Um, that to me means that, you know, maybe Brian Johnson's kind of his way of saying like, you know, I wanted to throw the ball to AJ or 
Devontae, but Nick overruled me on that one. I mean, oh, that's a possibility. I didn't think about that. <laughs> that's a possibility. I mean, or maybe he didn't want to talk bad about the defense. Like, yeah, I knew we had to score a touchdown because the defense was so bad. But um, I don't know. That's why I was saying, like, I think there's some kind of disconnect there between Nick and, and Brian Johnson. I mean, you know, it's starting to seem pretty clear that on certain plays, like Nick, you know, overrules Brian. Like, let's say Brian wants to call this play. Nick says, no, this is what we're going to go with. And, you know, maybe there's some kind of, you know, and I, I don't blame Nick because he's the head coach. And ultimately this is falling on his head and stuff. But, you know, maybe there's some kind of disconnect there. That's kind of how that's kind of how I took it. Um, and the first part of the question Say it was about Jalen. Oh, right. About, you know, Brian pointing out that these plays have different options. So, yeah, if you get one look, you're supposed to do one thing. If you get another look, you're supposed to do something else. Some took that as throwing Jalen a little bit under the bus. Yeah, I don't really, I didn't really see it that way. Um, I know obviously the first two plays, you know, were quarterback runs and everything like that. And, you know, the first one got four yards. The second one, I guess, Buda Baker kind of blew up and everything. That was a great play. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, I mean, I just don't think the play – I mean, yeah, there are certain things Jalen maybe could have done. I'd have to, like, look at it. Like, was there a receiver open if he decided to, like, pull the ball and throw a quick slant or something? I didn't really notice that. Um, I, don't, I don't think he was trying to throw Jalen under the bus. I think that's, like, the last thing Brian Johnson would do. Um, because obviously he and Jalen go way back and, you know, Jalen obviously supports Brian Johnson. Um, well, then why, as... why didn't he go, hold on, let's rewind the Matt Patricia tape. I need to do better. It's got to be on me. Why mm-hmm. would he even reference that? Why wouldn't he just take the ball? It's like the DC who's been in place for 20 minutes did. Well, um, that's a good question. Like I go back like the week before Sean decide lost his, uh, well, allegedly lost his defensive coordinator job. He he said, I got to do a better job or some variation thereof like 20 times in his press yeah. conference. And uh, I don't I don't think like, what. so what Matt Patricia was oh, doing. So, I don't think... so Brian was fearful that he's going to be fired by Nick if he took too many bullets? Really? Is that <laughs> where you're going? And you're, no. you're questioning my interpretation? Wow, you're out oh. there in left field. I, I'm just saying it's like their way of deflecting, and I don't think it's yeah. a good way of deflecting. I think Brian Johnson tried to answer the question as best he could, and uh, he kind of was pushed into a corner there um, with that last one about you know about the defense. And he said maybe he said I better shut this down before I say something. I don't. <laughs> I better shut say. the. I better <laughs> shut. It was like a, a brain, but he was like, oh boy, I better shut up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's like, I think I've said enough. And yeah. I think Matt Patricia and I think Sean Desai before him were just trying to deflect and not really, you know, get into the crux of the issue. And, you know, that's the classic Andy Reid school of deflect yeah. mechanism and everything. Yeah. That's how I saw it. Yeah. And Matt may have been here for 20 minutes, but he's been around for a long time. So oh, yeah. He's well he's schooled learned. in deflection. Yeah. Yeah. You learn from the master, Bill Belichick, yeah. you know. Yeah. On yeah. to Cincinnati, that type of thing. Yeah. Oh, on to the offseason for Bill Belichick after this week, in which, yeah. oh, by the way, Patriot fans, if you're rooting for him to lose, 
they're probably going to beat the Jets because they always beat the Jets. I'm just <laughs> noting that as a Jet fan. Um, all right, Martin. So going to New York this week, we know what is potentially at stake. You're swimming upstream and a belief that you could get the first or second seed. Uh, but you have to at least start. Do you have to start the game believing we've got to get this turned around? Don't they have to? Do you go into protection mode in this spiral that they're in? Can you even afford, if you're Nick Sirianni, to go, all right, yeah, I'm getting my best players off the field because I don't want to get them hurt? Or is more importantly, you need to start to play better football before you get to the postseason a priority for Nick Sirianni? I think you're uh, the first The first choice is, is the one they're going to go with. I think you look at it like, okay, the playoffs start the weekend of January 14th. We have two weeks to get ready. That's exactly what you're focusing on uh, in practice. You, you treat like the Giants like, like an exhibition game. I mean, and, and I think it's because you can't count on the Cowboys losing to the Commanders. The Commanders have mailed it in months ago. Ron Rivera's going to get fired. They've given up. You know, the Cowboys pretty much can take a knee on the opening series and still win the game. So I think this is your bye week. I mean, you don't get a bye now because you don't have the number one seed. So, yes, you have to rest Jalen Hurts. I mean, whether that means you put him out there for a series or don't put him out there at all, um, there's no reason to play him. Uh, Darius Slay may or may not be able to come back this week. I say don't even risk it, especially on that MetLife turf. Yeah, the MetLife turf, yeah, and the weather's supposed to be awful. I wouldn't risk any of those guys. Um, I mean, Kelsey, obviously, he's got a consecutive game streak going, so he's going to start. Um, any of those other guys, Fletcher Cox, I mean, maybe a series. That's about it. That's how I look at it. You're looking at it as you got two weeks to get ready for the playoffs. What we do against the Giants right now is inconsequential. Um, if it turns out that by some miracle the commanders – uh, beat the Cowboys and you tank this game against the Giants. Well, you're playing the next weekend anyway. You know, you can go on the road, the NFC South, and, you know, you'd have a decent chance of winning. I think that's how you have to look at it. Like, you have two weeks to get ready for the playoffs, and that's what you have to do. That's Could interesting. You, um, can I just ask one quick yeah, question? Uh, where in the Eagles' house is that faucet that you believe you can just turn on? Because that's what it sounds no, like to I me. Oh, we can just turn the faucet on anytime we want. We I'm not. I'm not saying you can turn the faucet on. I'm saying you have to find. You have two weeks to figure all that out. Like yeah. and that's what you should be focusing on in practice. I mean, what you do against the Giants, they get hurt in practice the same fine. way they get hurt against the Giants. Well, You're gonna protect them against the Giants, but practice. Oh, we'll work really hard in practice. Really, I, I think it's an interesting work hard in practice. <laughs> I don't know. So what? What's the alternative? Like you, uh, you, you practice really hard. Uh, you know, you go out against the Giants and you beat them like thirty to seven or something like that. Oh yes, we're feeling much better for the playoffs. Then you play a good team on the road. I think it's an interesting debate from the standpoint of, um, you know, rest versus rust and all that kind of stuff. But in the MetLife turf, I think is a big part. That that is it. I I don't know how the Jets and Giants do it, but every yeah. player in the league hates that turf. Um, certainly somebody like Slay, you're not going to risk guys that are already injured. Now, mm-hmm. um, what the, the thing is, though, Martin, and you're right, the Cowboys should roll over Washington. 
but we've seen too much. There are no great teams in this NFL today. Um, sure. Baltimore would probably be the closest, followed by San Francisco. Everybody's had those weeks where they've just looked like wretched. Um, I, you wouldn't scoreboard watch and say, all right, I'm going to start my guys. And then if the Cowboys are up 14 nothing, I pull them. But I, if I got to win the game, I got to win the game. I got, I got to get that, I got to get that number two seed. Would it be two or or three? If, uh, if I think Detroit. it's, I think it's two. I think the Eagles, yeah, end up I still winning think that right two now. seed is valuable. If I can get that, so I'm going to scoreboard watch if I'm Nick Sirianni. And if it's, like I said, if it's a, a fourteen nothing game, they're playing at the same time, right? The NFL. Yeah. Yes, yes. Both teams. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the NFL does that on purpose. Um, Yeah. I got to, I got to at least hold out hope. Stranger things have happened. I mean, is it, is it worth, I mean, possibly, but let's say it's a close game all the way through. And let's say Dallas comes out, Dallas comes out and ends up winning the game in the fourth quarter. Dak Prescott magic, you know, CD Lamb touchdown with a minute left. And you've played, you know, you've played Hurts. You played all those guys, beat the stuffing out of the Giants, and you're well. If they you have beat to the play stuffing out of them, and I can't guarantee they're going to beat the stuffing right. out of anybody. But, but let's say they don't. They can pull let's their say, guys. Let's say by. both are close games down to the wire, and the Cowboys. And you got to play your guys. Yeah, you got to play your guys, and then you got to travel the next week anyway. They don't get any rest. Maybe they get banged up a little bit. I mean, Devontae Smith got hurt. On what the third, second to last? Well, yeah, not yeah. counting the last on the series, bubble screen, yeah. yeah, blocking, yeah. Um, so you know, well, Devontae's not going to play um, this week. No yeah. way they're putting him on that turf as well. well. Exactly. He- so you're already down. You're already, you're not going to risk Slay. You're not going to risk Devontae. Um, you know, Hertz has maybe had some kind of knee issue. I mean, maybe it's not there anymore. I mean, who knows? He never says whether it is or isn't. But, you know, the extra week could help him. I mean, Marcus Mariota time, Martin Frank. Why not? Marcus Mariota. pay the guy $8 million. Let him play. See, and I look at it completely different from both of you two guys. John mentioned rest versus rust. No, you know what it is? It's rest versus suck. The Philadelphia Eagles suck right now. They need to stop sucking. And I think going out and on field in a regular season game, kicking the rear end of a team within your division who just played you tough, had a chance to tie the game on the last uh, play of the the, the regular uh, game, to go into their house and beat the snot out of them would do something for this team, would build up the confidence level of the team because the confidence level is shaken. It shouldn't be in my estimation. They went to the Super Bowl last year. But it seems to be that the confidence level isn't what it should be. I think they need to do something to build that up, to get that back and beating the snot out of the Giants with the risks attached. That You're right about, Martin. There are risks attached. But I think they need that. If they don't have that, if they're just banking on an extra week's rest because they're going to sit there, star players next week, what are the chances they're going to come out of this spiral? I need some evidence of that. I need that evidence against the Giants on Sunday. Well, I mean, you kind of made the argument for the opposite because, you know, they didn't beat the snot out of the Giants the last time, and that was at home. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor threw, threw a last-ditch 
pass into the end zone with a chance to tie the game. So let's say they do go full bore and try to beat the Giants, the snot out of the Giants, and they don't. Well, then you got to come back and play next week on the road in the playoffs anyway. And now your confidence is still shaking. It hasn't helped it at all. I say just, you know, take the L this week or whatever it is. Rest the guys. You got two weeks to figure it all out in practice. And then go in there against the Saints or the Buccaneers on the road and try to win a game. See if you can turn it around. And by the way, they should win that game. I don't care what they do this week. They yeah. should win wherever it is, Tampa Bay, New Orleans, Atlanta. Um, very unlikely, but they're still alive. Um, they should win any of those games on the road. The problem is the next weekend. Then you then you got some issues. That's why I'm holding out hope if I'm the Eagles for that number two seed, which is you know, yeah. it's out of your, it's out of your, uh, it, 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 you don't control your own destiny. So that's the Eagles fault. Yeah. That's where they are. Right. Um, you know, it's a shame the Giants aren't going to play Tommy DeVito. Then they should probably <laughs> beat him with Marcus Mariota. You wouldn't have to worry. Um, and they could win the game that way. Um, so it is, it's an interesting discussion. Ultimately, I think you're going to be right, Martin. They're going to, Air on the side of caution. They're going to sit a bunch of guys. Yeah. Um, Jason Kelsey will start for obvious reasons and leave quickly. And you're going to see a, a more of an exhibition environment. Um, now, before we get there, big, big story breaking today. AJ Brown is going to talk. <laughs> Martin Frank, you, you're first in the media scrum. You're right in the middle of it. What do you want to ask AJ first? What's your first question? Um, my first question is what what's going on? Like why are you why are you so upset? Are you upset? Because it seems like some I mean, it seems like that's the issue. That's why he doesn't want to talk, because he's upset about something with the offense. And uh I'd like him to answer that question. I'm not sure if he will. I think he'll try to say the right things politically correct maybe something like you know i just felt like a better job yeah basically (laughs) i just (laughs) needed to take a break and and you know keep my feelings to myself and everything i've got no problems with the offense or jalen hurts or anything like that um but you know i I would hope for an honest answer i'm not sure if i would get one all right they've got uh walk through today walk through wednesday and practice and 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 Martin, if you're right, and they just completely take a preseasonal look at this last game and uh, sit the, their star players. What's going to lift them back to a level where they can actually believe ahead of time going into a playoff game they're going to win? What 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 is going to transpire? Who can take the lead as a leader on this team? Because right now they don't look like a team that can win any playoff game. John's got them winning the week after just on talent on the roster alone. Yeah, I don't know that I can go there if uh, they, they basically take a pass on playing the last game of the season. What's going to be the key element if they get this turned around? I mean, that's a great question because if we knew that, I think they would have already turned it around. I mean, I'm not sure what the answer is. I mean, you know, is it somebody – like Jalen Hurts or, or A.J. Brown or Kelsey or somebody just like saying, all right, enough of this crap. You know, we got to figure this out. And we got to figure it out now. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, if if there was a way to figure everything out, I would think it would have happened by now. And I think they're still searching for answers. I mean, I think, and it's it's all the way through the team. I mean, the coaches have to do a better. They do have to do a better job. Uh, the players have to do a better job. I mean, it just seems like sometimes out there they're they're flying around or they're flailing around without any kind of like idea of what they're doing. I mean, you see that on defense against the Cardinals. You got like five different guys running in different directions, and the Cardinals Connor like runs right up the middle and scores a game winning touchdown. <laughs> that was brutal. Those um, are some of the worst run bits I've ever seen in that game. Oh from, my god, from, it was the Eagles. Yeah, I mean it's, it's gotta be figured out and it's gotta be figured out pretty quickly. And that's why going back to my earlier stuff, that's why you gotta like just figure out these this thing for the next two weeks in practice, you know, more importantly than trying to prepare to be by the way, Martin's the talking Martin's talking me into it. I just something just sparked in my mind. I mean, one of the problems has been Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter hitting the wall. They didn't play yeah. a lot at Georgia. Uh, Baldy, I saw, was uh, just really vicious to Jordan Davis, calling him out of shape and um, getting those guys a week of rest for the playoffs. That might really be uh, a kick in the you-know-what for the defense. And yeah. then I'll say – Slay, we talked about this. Marcus Hayes was on in hour one, Martin. Slay's going to be back for the playoffs. He's supposed to be back. Yeah. That means no Calais Ringo, uh, Keely Ringo, uh, no Eli Ricks on the field, um, barring injury. Um, Zach Cunningham was close this week. He's going to be back for the playoffs. That means no Shaq Leonard on the field. Um mm-hmm. That's a good thing if you look at those run fits we were talking about because Ringo and Ricks looked lost. Shaq looked lost. A bunch of guys looked really, really bad. If they can get this defense from being god-awful to mediocre, I think they could win a lot of games like they were 10-1. and That was what was going on. The offense would score enough, and they would be mediocre, and they'd win a bunch of games. Can they get back to that? I don't know. Well, Slay, um, Slay and Cunningham. I mean, definitely, yeah, yeah. It definitely helps having those two guys back. I mean, you know, Slay's still their best cornerback. Um, Bradbury as a number one cornerback, I don't think. I mean, I think we've seen what we need to see there. I don't think he yeah. is a number one. He, you know, Slay needs to. You know, if they're playing, if they're playing the Buccaneers in round one, Slay needs to be on Mike Evans the whole time. Um, and I mean, obviously, it's an upgrade from Keely Ringo and and. Eli Ricks, I mean, you know, those guys have played hard and they've tried as much as they can, but, you know, they're in their first year playing and, you know, they're still learning on the fly and you need a guy like Slay and Bradbury, so that'll make a big difference. Uh, You know, Cunningham's been good all year when he's played, so, I mean, he's definitely an upgrade over Shaq Leonard and and Ben Van Sumeren. Um, And whatever else they've tried doing, like dropping Hassan Reddick and, Brandon Nolan Graham and Nolan Smith, Smith in the coverage. Oh, I mean, oh, you know, oh. I mean, that's just because they've had no options. So yeah. obviously getting Zach Cunningham back, you know, at least you have him and Morrow. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to drop, drop poor Hassan Reddick in the coverage and keep him from rushing. So, yeah, that'll make a difference too. Um, so, yeah, you got to get all these guys back. And, you know, the only thing I, you know, when I say like rest as many guys as possible, I mean, 
you know, the roster is at 53. You can only play 48 on game day, so you can't rest everybody. Right. Um, so Carter and Davis are probably going to have to play anyway. Um, maybe not as much, but you throw Moro Ojomo in there, you activate Marlon T., you know, you let those guys handle a lot of the defensive tackle snaps. You know, you get Milton Williams in there. He's been great all year, but, you know, you obviously play him more than you play yeah. Davis and Carter. Yeah. So you can you can kind of work that um, to your advantage so those guys don't have to have such a heavy load. But, you know, you can't, you can't sit everybody out like you would in a preseason game because the roster being what it is now, you don't have the 90 guys anymore, so – you know, a lot of those guys still have to play, but you can kind of manage it so they don't play as much. You know, maybe Sewell Peta gets a you know big run on yeah. offense. Yeah. yeah, definitely. You know, you see Fred Johnson for the first time. Um, that would be something. Uh, All right, so I uh, I got to get this off my. So I need a percentage chance from you, Martin. Uh-huh. Today's walk through Wednesday. And or any other practice between now and when the Eagles play their first playoff game, which is probably going to be on the road against the NFC South opponent, they'll be going to be able to get the ship righted with walkthroughs and CDA negotiated, lengthy or non-lengthy practices. Give me, give me the percentage chance that that could happen. That the Eagles are going to be able to turn it around because of practice. Um, well, I would think a, it's probably the only chance they have, but I would, I would put that at maybe 60, you know, they're walking through today, but they're not going to walk through next week. You know, when, you know, the playoffs start, I mean, I can't, I can't see them doing walk through Wednesday next week. If they rest a lot of their guys on Sunday, I mean, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, next week, I think will be full practices. Uh, M. Frank NFL, make sure you follow Martin on X, formerly known as Twitter, DelawareOnline.com. Uh, you can read them there. Uh, interesting. You compare the Eagles to that uh, uh, glasses half full that uh, we were talking about the Ravens 49ers from the 49ers perspective in that Super Bowl, but it was the Ravens who fired their offensive coordinator. That's true. Uh, in their season um, and ultimately struggled after they fired Cam Cameron. They struggled for a little bit, then got their footing in the playoffs and ultimately went on to win the Super Bowl. The Eagles technically didn't fire Sean Desai, which makes it even weirder because he's still (laughs) in the building. That's got to be uncomfortable, by the way, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, It was... Did that come as a panic move now that you look back at it in hindsight? Nothing's changed. It's arguably gotten even worse um, defensively. Part of that's, I think, most of it's personnel-driven. We just talked Mm -hmm. about losing some guys. Um, Do you think that was a panic move? Especially, they started thinking about it at the bye when they were 8-1. and Why do you think about making changes like that when you're 8-1, and Martin Frank? There had to be some kind of issue with Desai. I mean, that's the kind of that's the kind of move that happens when like veteran leaders come up to you know Howie or Nick or someone and say, "Listen, this guy just doesn't have it. You know, it's not working. You need to do something." Um, I don't think that's something that you look at organically. Is you're eight and one, and you say, "Wow, I got to make a change." I think that's something that happens when someone, a player, players 
say, you know, this guy just doesn't know what he's doing. Um, By and, the way, you know what I was thinking about, Martin? Remember that in training camp, they moved to practice from Novacare over to Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the saw... day I was doing a show for WIP. Yeah. I was down there that morning. It was me and the camera, and we show up at the Eagles, uh, and nobody's there. Where the hell and... is everybody? Oh, they're over at the link yeah. today. Yeah, thank you very much, well, Nick Sirianni and Howie And Martin, I think you were there at me when Howie was took over Sean, yelling <laughs> at Sean right. Desai because he didn't have the right personnel in for a particular uh, set of plays they were going to have. Yeah. I didn't think much of it at the time, but now I'm starting to think, was there more to it? Was there more to it? Yeah, that's an awesome point. Yeah, I think think there, yeah, I think that maybe, you know, that was a signal like, hey, you know, maybe this isn't the right guy. And I think, I think as the season went along, like, I think players started saying, seeing stuff like that. Um, And I think maybe it was, you know, I'm just throwing names out there, but, you know, you can figure out like guys on defense like Slay or, Fletcher Cox or somebody, if they're not happy, they've got Howie's ear. I mean, he's going to listen to them. Uh, I'm not saying that's exactly what happened, but it sure seems like that. I mean, you don't replace a defensive coordinator in the middle of an eight and one or 10 and one season for no reason, um, unless somebody, you know, a player or somebody is expressing some dissatisfaction. Um, But I wanted to go back to what you said about the Ravens that year in 2012. Like they were nine and two. they finished one and four. They fired their offensive yeah. coordinator. So they still ended up winning the division. So they had a home playoff game, which they won. But then they had to go on the road, beat Denver with Peyton Manning. Manning. And then the next week they had to go on the road and beat, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots in the AFC championship. So, I mean, it can be done. Um, it's just, they made it, the Eagles made it very road. difficult. They made the road. Yeah. Yeah. Tough road. But, yeah, uh, Definitely. I think it's tremendously interesting that now John is open-minded that maybe Howie had something to do with Deshaun getting pushed aside because... No, well, I was just thinking about that. Okay. I, it popped into my head. Because the coach that. is on the record to say it was all me. It was all uh, the head coach's decision. No, but was it wasn't... not influenced by anyone in that decision to strip the side. <laughs> no, I, I brought it up more to identify that maybe he was in over his head, not that it was just happened to be Howie. Nick was telling them to get the right personnel on the field, but Nick was all the way on the other side. And Howie was sort of in the middle and Howie sort of was the, the, the game of telephone. Then Howie said, Hey, Sean, get the freaking right people. in." I just thought it was a, in hindsight, it was, Oh, you know, that was weird. That was weird. All right, you know what you're going to make me, you know what you've made me do, both of you two guys? I now have to go back and look at the Baltimore Ravens' last regular season game uh, that year that they ended up going to the Super Bowl and see if they sat their star players. By the way, Jim Caldwell, the offensive coordinator that took over. Yes. Uh, yeah. And Delaware's, Delaware's own Joe Flacco, the quarterback, nice. made it happen. Did he, he sit that again. game? Did he sit week 17? I doubt it. Well, then why the hell would you sit uh, Jalen Hurts this week, Martin Frank? Because Delaware's own Joe Flacco got out there and played the last week of the season and they won the Super Bowl. Why wouldn't you try and do the same thing if you're the Philadelphia Eagles? 
because it's 12 years later and you don't oh, risk your quarterback God, getting stop. hurt in a meaningless oh regular God. season game. And the crappy met light turf. And the crappy met light turf in the snow. And, and yeah, snow and rain it'll, and everything it'll make, else. It'll make a great picture with Jalen and bubble wrap on the sidelines. We won't. He'll be a mummy because he'll just be sitting. And there you got the best uh, on his face with bubble wrap around him. And you got yeah, uh, well, you got Marcus Mariota, baby. Mariota magic. Go Marcus. Uh, Martin, we appreciate it whenever you jump in with us. Uh, thanks for the fun conversation today. We will certainly be having you on during the playoffs if the Eagles can move past the first round. We're all hoping for it. Don't know if it's going to happen. Uh, you know we're going to get you back on again. Thanks for hopping all in. All right. Bye. Thanks for having me. As always, a pleasure. Our Thank pleasure. you, Mark. Martin Frank here with us on Birds 365. All right, Jody Mack coming back. Oh, we're going to talk about this tomorrow, John, because – I hadn't even considered it. That's how strongly I feel about this. I had not considered any massive resting of Eagle star players. I think it's a must must that they have to be playing better football. And I don't care how crisply in practice they do things. You guys are going to get what a 10 minute look at it. So nobody's even going to be able to tell us whether yeah. they are or aren't. They need to play this Sunday. Now, Nick already got the question earlier this week, um, and he's going to probably get it today, and he's probably going to get a Friday about resting guys. Um, I would scoreboard watch. I'm on record um, and pull guys, depending on how it's going in both cities. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't think you gain anything. I've been saying this for weeks. I think you could only lose stuff, and the Eagles lost stuff. They were supposed to beat the Giants. They were supposed to beat the Cardinals. They weren't going to gain anything by beating bad teams like that. They weren't uh, going to uh, – no one was going to say, oh, they've turned it around, um, but they haven't played well, and they've lost even more. I don't I don't know what you gain from going in there stamping the Giants out. Uh, they're a terrible team in, in a bad situation, playing backup quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. Um the risk, yes, the risk of MetLife Stadium is a little bit more than any other stadium. So when it comes to guys who are already injured, like Slay and Smith, it's not even a question to me. They're not playing. Um, so that's baked into it. Um, the other guys, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to scoreboard watch, and I'm going to pull them as needed. Yeah, I'm going to play them as needed to win a football game in a specific way. I think they need to play a better football game. They're probably dead in the water either way, but I want to take a shot. I want to see if we can get things rolling on both offense and defense and step on the New York Giants' throats and maybe, just maybe, lift the confidence level of this team because I don't think it's there right now. And one quick note for Steve Thomas, I guess one of my favorite streamers, um, his comment, Jody's a fraud. If the <laughs> Eagles play their starters and Jalen gets hurt, Come Monday, Jody will be killing Nick and management. I'm talking directly to you, Steve. No, I won't. I am on record. I think Jalen Hurts should start. I think Jalen Hurts should play. If he does and he gets hurt, I'll say, Nick, I'm going down with the ship with you, buddy. I agree with you 100%. I think the Eagles have to prioritize playing a better brand of football right now than protecting their players from potential injury. I, that, I'm not changing my mind, and I'm not changing my tune, and I won't change it on Monday. And go, oh, 
what was Sirianni thinking playing Hurts? No, not happening. On record right here, on tape. You can go back and watch this show, John, when it's over and done with. It's an amazing thing, yes, you do. You can go back and watch it again. I am on record. I think the Eagles have to do everything to try and win the game this weekend as impressively as possible. The only thing I'm giving any uh, acknowledgement to is guys were hurt. Slay's hurt. So if they choose not to risk Slay, okay, that's their call. Devontae's hurt. If they choose not to risk Devontae, okay. Anybody else who's healthy, you're uh, 95% healthy, you need to be out there. And you need to help the Eagles win their final game in impressive fashion so they can take a shot in the playoffs. That's my take. If you don't believe me, if you don't agree with me, that's fine. We can agree, disagree. But don't accuse me of being a friggin' hypocrite that I'm going to flop on you. No, not happening, buddy. On record, go back, watch it over and over and over again. Jordan McDonald's not changing his opinion. They need to play their starters. They need to try and go out and win this game by three touchdowns. Not, oh, they snuck another win against the New York Giants that improved Nick Sirianni's winning percentage. Maybe inclined the number nine all time with another win this week. No, they need to win impressively because they need it for their own psyche. Because the psyche of this football team is not where it needs to be. I like the rant, Jody, and it was such a good rant. Xander says we can rap. No break. That was a nice rant. I I Uh, give you credit for it. That was not the reason I ranted. It's because Stephen ticked me off calling me a hypocrite. I am not a hypocrite. I stand by what I say. And we will do this the exact same again tomorrow. You got walk through Wednesday, John. No, which means no. So you AJ Brown day. AJ Brown. What time's AJ talking? Do you know? Ah, locker room opens twelve forty-five ish, I believe. Well, then we'll let you get over there in case uh, you need extra time and some traffic on the Walt Whitman Bridge. So uh, feel free to get underway. John McMullen and Jody McDonald will get underway again tomorrow, right here on Birds three sixty-five in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.